When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes, joined as usual with my co-host Dave DeFore. And what a week it has been for the Pacers over these last seven days that they've won four in a row. We've been searching for that signature win, Dave, and they finally got it last Wednesday, a week ago against Boston, followed up with three more wins, capped off by a, no matter how you put it, a surprising win over the best team in the league of the Lakers. So let's just get right to it. Your initial thoughts, what did you enjoy most about last night's game? I mean, listen, what do we say every week about this Pacers team? They never quit. They always go, right? Like the shots may not fall, but they're they're going to continue to do their stuff. And, and I thought this this game was a prime example of that. I thought the Boston game, prime example of that. And and like you said, they we've been waiting for these signature wins, and they got two in a week. Uh, this team might be good. Just might, yeah. And, and on top of that, to make matters even better, is the fact that excluding Victor, who's getting closer they are finally healthy for the first time this season. Last night, they had healthy scratches, guys that were act- that couldn't be active because of the league policy. And that's something they haven't dealt with. So that's encouraging um, for what's to come now that they're approaching 20 wins and more than 30 games here into the season. Very encouraging. Yeah, um, I thought the defense last night was fantastic. I mean, they, the Lakers, decent shooting team. Uh, they held them to 25% from behind the three-point line. That's a big deal. They were doing a good job running guys off their spots. I love the minutes that they had Miles Turner on LeBron. I thought that was an interesting wrinkle to guard him with the center and uh, use your length because, you know, LeBron has lost a step, okay, like driving to the basket. He's not getting past guys like he used to. So you really are more worried about the bully ball with LeBron and and the – the deep three that he's developed. And I thought it was a, a great idea to have Turner on him so that you could really contest the three with that length, but you're not as worried about LeBron being able to bully Miles Turner as you might with, you know, TJ Warren or a smaller guy. So uh, kudos to Nate McMillan again, man, just showing how he is not this guy that we've boxed him in as as a coach. There's a lot of things we can get into. Let's let's stay with the defense, Dave, because there's a lot there. First of all, the incredible thing was how the, the, what the Pacers were trying to do in the scheming, and initially kind of wasn't working out initially, right? They allowed 28 points by the Lakers in the first quarter, and of those of those 28 points, as my mic goes haywire, um, 24 of them were scored in the paint. They did not make a field goal outside of like five feet, three feet. And so the Pacers then made some adjustments, but that was deliberate in that they didn't want 
the Lakers to get hot and, and find their shooting, those sorts of things, because then they're a really um, dangerous team. They really never did find their three-point shot throughout the game. They didn't get to the free throw line as often as they often do. I mean, LeBron, only eight visits. Um, I generally expect double-digit visits from him. And then to your point uh, with Turner picking him up sometimes, especially there in the second half, the Pacers began switching everything. And this is a not a switching team. Casual NBA fans may recognize it a lot from teams around the league. The Pacers just don't do that much. Right. But they did in this instance, and it worked out. And how about the job? The one that sticks out to me in particular, Dave, is really the Lakers' final chance. I think 11 seconds left. Turner switches on to LeBron. I think it's on the left arc. And mm-hmm. forces a, a terrible, by most accounts, step back three from about 30 feet. LeBron didn't hit a three-pointer all night. And that's exactly the shot the Pacers wanted. They wanted to challenge him. They wanted to contain him and force him to a, into an awful shot. And I think they succeeded on all accounts. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought Brogdon and Holiday did a good job on LeBron in the minutes that they that they guarded him throughout the game. It was it, you know it was clear that that trying to take LeBron out of the game was the key, right? No Anthony Davis, so now you only have one guy. Let everyone else beat you. Don't let LeBron. It held him to 20 points in a game without Anthony Davis. If you can do that, you're giving your chance, yourself a good chance to win. Uh, you just have to keep everyone else from going off. And, and the only guy that I would say, aside from LeBron, who had a good game, was Dwight Howard, who was 10 of 10 from the field. You don't necessarily want to see that. <laughs> you know, It was a season-high um, 20 points. He, he, he yeah. was just feasting inside. And, and Sabonis and Turner obviously both had great games, but How, Howard just overpowered them a little bit. And I finished perfect. I, I can't remember the last time I've seen that. I think it might have been Sabonis going nine for nine in New York last season. Uh, a, a rare perfect game for him, a player. Yeah, Dwight did a good job of picking his spots, knowing when to slide in. Caught caught that one really nice lob that mm. was sort of in traffic. But again, this is the gravity of LeBron James. They were sending two to the ball when LeBron was getting loose and getting to the basket. And, and when you do that, you know if you've got your big in the dunker spot, which Dwight has been fantastic there this year you're, you're going to be able to feast on that and, and if you're the Pacers you live with it because the last thing you want is to let LeBron get one of his big signature dunks and then everyone feeds off that energy uh, a little stat from from my buddy uh, on Twitter Cameron Stewart uh, last night Turner and Sabonis played 18 minutes together their offensive rating was 108.6 their mm-hmm. defensive rating was 82.9 wow both now, really good that, yeah, and so that is sort of a blueprint. You know, when you look, if you look at those minutes they played together last night, where you can have Miles do something like guard a LeBron James, and you can stick Sabonis on the, you know, the less mobile uh, big that's out there with LeBron, and, and you really have something. Now, of course, every team doesn't have LeBron James, but it, that is a blueprint for success. I, I think Miles' ability to step out on the perimeter and guard. You know, certain guys. He, he's not going to guard, you know, you don't want him switching on to Devontae Graham, for instance. Uh, you know, or Kyrie <laughs> That's one of, He's one of your favorites now, isn't he? Uh, Devontae, oh, the guy's an awesome. He was just he, in town this guy. week, or last yeah, week, I, I think mean, he's just, he's so fun. Uh, but you don't want him guarding like a Kyrie Irving or something like that. But but some of these bigger guys, like, I mean, if you play the Clippers, I I would love to see what Miles could do guarding Kawhi. If I, if I remember right, I think there was a couple sequences where Turner even switched off onto Kimba, I want to say, 
last mm-hmm. week. There was something yeah. memorable like that, and I was like, wow, he, he actually hung his own. He, he kept him in front yeah. of him, forced up a jumper, and that's about the best you can hope for. Don't let him drive past you, blow past you, and, and make something uncomfortable for him. And, and so, yeah, you got to give him a lot of credit. I do think with the Sabonis-Turner pairing, the Lakers' performance was more the exception right now. We have not seen a lot of success come from it. I'm not sure we will. It's something I'm actually going to dive into here in an upcoming story with someone um, who can help provide even more context. So that's a little teaser um, for everyone. But it's one of the biggest subjects, obviously, with this Pacers group. And, and when it comes to rumors and everything, a lot of people, now that we're kind of in the trade season, like to bring up, do you move one of them? Pacers aren't going to be active. I can't see them really doing much of anything. Their their activity level will be getting Victor back whenever they get Victor back and he's an all star. And right, they they, they just don't move. They just don't do moves, Dave, during the trade deadline. I think they've done one in like a decade. Yeah, and they also need to see what this team looks like with Victor back. I mean, you know, no one expects this team to compete for a title this year. Nobody does. Facts. And I I think that internally they would say the same thing. This is an extremely young team, but also it's a new team. Adding Lamb, adding Brogdon, you know, uh, Sabonis being this guy, Miles Turner being more seasoned, you know, coming off last year, um, and now Oladipo coming back from injury at some point. I, I think you have to see what you have before you just go out and deal because you may be dealing from a position of weakness where you say, well, you know, we can get better right now if we if we flip Sabonis, you know, for uh, a scoring wing or or something like that, or or Miles Turner for a scoring wing, but. The truth is you don't know what you need until you have your whole team together. So both of these guys I expect will be here through the season. Maybe they make a move this summer, but, you know, they're both really good. Sabonis, I mean, you know, I couldn't have been more wrong about this guy. I really didn't think he was going to have a year like he's having, but clearly an all-star in the East. 26 points, another double-double, 10 rebounds. Uh, But what he does for the offense, I think it's a little bit unheralded. Because he operates, again, he only had four assists last night. But you, you forget that these sequences, like like the one where uh, he fakes a dribble handoff to McDermott. McDermott cuts. He hits McDermott on the cut, draws the defense in. McDermott hits TJ McConnell in the corner. The defense rotates over. <laughs> McConnell hits the open man, Aaron Holiday, wide open three, in the clutch. Huge basket, but that all starts with Sabonis initiating the offense and I think that that kind of thing is just so hard to get from a guy in his position at that four or five you know kind of tweener um you just I don't know how they can get rid of him now because they really do need that because it's it's Sabonis and Brogdon are the only two guys that can get your offense going and that is all obviously by design they love even going back to last year day they love running the offense through Sabonis and that for many respects is why Nate's tried to stagger him even more to play him with that second unit. They they play faster, better pace. Um, kind of, it's it's honestly the most fun group to watch. I think of anyone out there because you have those guys flying. You got Aaron Holiday, who's been terrific over the last probably couple of weeks, um, and he gave me. A great quote last night. I had to ask him about that sequence. It was one of his first ones um, when he was into the game. And he challenged LeBron. And I thought a guy, especially undersized like he is, not nearly as physical. And he, he's not a quotable guy. Those that have heard his interviews, um, that's one thing I wish he'd get him improve upon. Um, kind of bland. But his response was is outstanding. He goes, what? 
Was I supposed to be scared? Just out there playing. I don't know. I, I don't think it matters who's in front of me. I'm going to go at him the same way I go at anybody else. And that's absolutely the right thinking. But it's not necessarily the thinking I would expect, let's say, from a second-year guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely isn't playing like a, like a bit of a veteran, which is exactly what they need. You know, again, th- this team is so new that the guy, you know, mm-hmm. when guys play above themselves, it's helping everyone. And with with Holiday being terrific, I thought McConnell gave them big minutes um, last night. And I, one of my favorite things, and people liked it on Twitter as well, was after a huge sequence late um, fourth quarter, uh, after a Holiday three, in fact, Dave, TJ walked around during the timeout briefly and pointed at Laker fans and go, sit down, sit down. Okay, Pacer fans, stand up, stand up. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty hilarious last night. Um, and he's just the most likable guy I've seen in a Pacers locker room. Um, here yeah. in recent history, it's that was something I was not expecting as well. But he has a w- ability, and I'm, I'm kind of envious of it a little bit. He has a, a, a unique, special ability to really connect with everyone. I mean, it, like this is what you know. Uh, this is going to sound like a slight, so I hope it doesn't. But uh, you know, when you're a guy who and, and McConnell is a good athlete, he doesn't have elite size. He's not a good shooter. But when you when you have limitations as a basketball player, again, it's really hard. <laughs> when you can't shoot and you're not an, a, like, you know, a giant, uh, it's hard to make it in the NBA. So one of the ways you can stick around is by being such a likable guy. He was they loved him in Philly. They love him in Indy. He plays hard. He moves the ball. Um, he had that sequence at the end of the third quarter where he came up with a steal. And I mean, if he had hit that shot, the roof would have come off. He gets he gets opponents probably at least once per game with the I'm going to fake like I'm running back on defense, but really try to steal the inbounds pass. He did it twice against the Lakers, and both times the shots just barely missed. But it's something teams really have to pay attention to, but they're not. Yeah. I mean, the guy's been really, really good for them. The holiday season is here, and we know that means for football fans, it's bowl season. As in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 6th. And if that's not enough to get you excited... The playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every single day, and especially this week. DraftKings is giving away eight days of sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the promos tab in the DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open your daily gift. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Here's what you need to do. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code FAST. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget sign-up code with code FAST to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Uh, one other sequence I did see in the locker room, didn't have a chance to really touch on it, was Jeremy Lamb. He exited the game, I think, middle of the third quarter with a groin injury. He was not happy post-game, which suggests to me that it's going to cost him a little bit of time. We'll see here, but he he was very frustrated. He didn't even come back onto the court. Um, 
But otherwise, the Pacers have been healthy. Another fun sequence I, I saw post game was guys have not been playing music. That was usually held up to left up to Victor. Victor has been out. Miles had taken the charge, and he hadn't really until last night when he blasted um, a song called First Class post game. Um, and so to me, it kind of suggested maybe where where he's coming along, maybe how this locker room um, is coming along um, with everything. But there was just so much to like from that game. Um, the fact also, Dave, I will say, the two things that they've done over the last week, not only the signature win, but they've also played well in cl- crunch time. They they were down by five against the Lakers, and I don't think it's gotten enough attention, but the Lakers, and they missed six free throws in like the final minute. Um, you make any couple of those, and who knows how this game ends up. But I've been really pleased with the way the Pacers, and specifically Brogdon, have handled those late-game late, late game situations because Malcolm had shouldered much of the load in defending LeBron. It was something he was not asked to do in Milwaukee, and this is kind of my featured story following this Pacers win was centering on Malcolm, but he always took the guards, he said, in Milwaukee and left LeBron to to Giannis and everyone else. And so he relished this opportunity. And then on top of that, he somehow mustered up the the energy and the the feistiness late in the game to be their guy scoring seven of their final 10 points. What do you think about what Malcolm provided in this game and really throughout the season? Because he's easily uh, achieved more than anyone could have expected. Oh, absolutely. I think he's been playing like an all-star all season. I expect him to make the all-star game. Uh, down the stretch, he hit that big contested three and uh, and then had that that basket where he, you know, used the used the rim for protection on that tight layup. I mean, that was a star finish. That's what stars do. I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon's a star. Uh, I mean, you know, I want to pump the brakes on that. But he's certainly down the stretch played like one. And you mentioned guarding LeBron. He He guarded him in a way – you know, it was it, it was intelligent defense. You said they kept him off the line. I mean, Le- LeBron last night had the ball in his hands a ton. And he only shot eight free throws. Uh, part of that four, is because, by the way, <laughs> yeah, he's got to be I mean, better than that. He's struggling, but but Brogdon, I thought, and Holiday as well when he was on him, and and Turner, they did a great job keeping their hands and body to themselves. They were inviting the contact, but they weren't initiating it. And and with LeBron, it, you know, it's tough because. The way he's officiated, I, I think that oftentimes LeBron doesn't get foul calls that he should, but he certainly gets away with a lot as well. And and you have to be smart about that. So you have to you have to be ready to take that contact when he gives it without returning too much of your own. And and I thought they did a really smart job last night. Uh staying at arm's length, being able to contest those threes when they went up. Um, yeah, Brogdon. But my one issue with Brogdon is he doesn't really get into a traditional defensive stance. He's very upright. Mm-hmm. And and maybe he's just better <laughs> off guarding bigger guys because of that. But, uh, you know, it really stuck out like a sore thumb last night when he was guarding LeBron because, you know, he's he's a lot smaller than LeBron. It's like, wait, he's just standing up. So, you know, <laughs> something to work on when he's guarding guards. Uh, but he looked really good guarding LeBron last night. Pacer fans would want me to know, by the way, that six of those eight free throws came in the fourth quarter because there were, were some questionable calls, I would say, um, with him. But to your first point there with LeBron is I think he's like Shaq. The officials don't know how to officiate him both ways. Um, right. I mean, when he falls down, there's there's barely any player in the league I could believe that actually could push him over. Right. And he fell down 
and get drew a blocking foul last night. There's things like that that I, I think it's a real struggle um, for offici- officials to decide what is and what isn't a call around him. Yeah, well, and he's gotten away with that thing with his off arm, his left arm, yep. you know, his entire career. And, and so, you know, there's a little bit of give and take. And I think that uh, if you were to ask LeBron and he would be honest about it, he would probably say, you know, I'll take getting fouled a little bit as long as they don't take away my my offensive foul that I get away with. It's a trade-off. <laughs> one, one aside that I want to make with him, I think LeBron and Steph are the two players that are absolutely – worth the price of admission. There's not many players or many games, I think, that I, you know I pay to go to anymore type thing. But I think LeBron and Steph are the two that are worth every single dollar because they, when you go and see their games, you're going to see things that you don't see from others. You're going to see so many spectacular moves. And I think by the end of the first quarter, I counted four or five different things that were like jaw-dropping. There was one where he, I think he grabbed a rebound and quickly darted a behind-the-back, no-look pass to a spot. Not a player, but a spot on the baseline. Rondo moved forward, picked it up, and made a floater. Like Those things I try to appreciate because you don't see every day. Ah, nothing impressive about that. <laughs> no, I, Says I the guy, hold on, says the guy <laughs> last night that tweets, Giannis is easily the MVP. Well, my, I, I my, mean, my response to that is then you haven't been watching the Lakers because I, I, LeBron, to I me, remains the MVP, and he has been for the last decade. So the thing is that uh, Giannis doesn't have Anthony Davis, right? And, and and also, I think what I mean, what LeBron's doing is fantastic, and he's definitely on my list. You know, like it's it's that time of year. It's the dead, dead part of the season. So we're already <laughs> talking about the MVP race. Start the but conversation. Well, the truth is the narrative gets set before the new year and oftentimes the guy who's who's the front runner uh around now winds up as the mvp just because that's how the voting works and and maybe we need to fix the voting but the truth is like if you just look at the like look at the team numbers they have the same record the bucks and the lakers do they're head and shoulders above everyone else in the league right now they're just the way they're playing but the bucks have the second best offense in the league and the best defense in the league Giannis is the only person in nba history if he finishes this season out, 32 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block. No one's ever done that. I mean, you know, and he's doing it as the only, you know, star on his team. I I think that has to matter a little bit. This is not to knock LeBron. LeBron's having a great season. I just think what Giannis is doing is better. Problem is Giannis won it last year. It's not as good of a story. And so people are going to push the LeBron thing, but you know, both guys are having a great season. I just, I would give the nod to, to Giannis. That's a sub-500 team without Giannis. I, I think this is also, though, part of the Rachel Nichols conversation here is what award are we giving? For me, it's most valuable. And so for me, that means LeBron basically deserves it every year because nobody means more, can carry a team more. I mean, he is probably worth 10 to 12 games per year. 10 wins, I should say, per year. Um, I, I Yeah, not to take anything away from Giannis, but I, to me... I don't see anyone doing more th- than LeBron. I mean, I don't. I don't like his core or his uh, supporting cast as much as I like what Giannis has in Milwaukee. And the Lakers are playing the Western Conference, which I think makes their record a little um, brighter when it comes down to it. You know, I actually. So it's funny because someone asked me about how I feel about the the divide in talent between the East and West. I, I think the top of the East might be tougher right now than the top of the West. 
I, I'm I'm not a believer in Philly. I still haven't. Um, maybe because it's Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and their availability and that whole thing. The Celtics are still to be determined. I, I'm not sure if Miami's still up there. I, I I think I know out the West you have the Lakers and the Clippers without question. Houston and Denver are probably going to be there. Um, I, I think they're a more reliable, more difficult out when it comes to the postseason. Possibly. It's possible. I mean, you know, uh, I had this conversation with someone the other day about the Bucks because the Bucks, the Bucks didn't win the finals last year, so they their their playoff run was a failure. And it was like, hold on, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, they were, literally, <laughs> they were one overtime game and another win away from the finals in the first year that they had a competent coach with a twenty three year old MVP who probably should have won Defensive Player of the Year last year as well. Uh, no, they, come on. 60 win team. They're going to win 60 again this year. That's the best team in basketball right now. And and I think the Lakers will probably by the end of the season will probably feel like, wow, the Lakers have have really figured this thing out. Um, They're like they're 24 and four lost to the Pacers. But that's a new team. (laughs) And and that's the scariest part. I I think the Lakers are probably going to wind up winning the title. Like if I'm just if I'm judging on what I'm seeing right now and then projecting an increase in in like chemistry. Yeah, I just don't see how anybody's going to beat the Lakers. So, uh, needless to say, this Pacers win is massive. <laughs> what will be fun now is coming up this weekend. We'll be in my I'm in Milwaukee because the Pacers will face them for the first time on the road. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon hopefully will remain available because he was not available for the first rematch. Um, the season. We talk about mental fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness and Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. We know he spends significant amount of time and resources on his mental and physical fitness, even as his own trainer that travels with him everywhere. He says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com forward slash fieldhouse. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com forward slash fieldhouse. That's calm.com forward slash fieldhouse. I want to go back to the, the Pacers win in this last week, kind of to wrap things up on, on this podcast, because there was so much to take away from the locker room, from from that game, and from the showing. Uh, one one thing that stuck out, too, uh, inside the arena was what Miles Turner had to say. He took the mic post game with everyone in the arena listening, and he, he turns up, got that little smirk on his face, and goes, shout out to you real Indiana fans. And I'll tell you what, Dave, I tweeted that. That was one of the most engaged Pacer tweets I've ever had. And obviously it's 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 you know sticking out your chest a little bit with fans like, yeah, that's me. That's us. I'm your guy. But it was it, I thought that was that was a pretty cool moment both for Miles and the fan base after such a big win. Um yeah, but Lakers fans travel. Like we know how that they is. always do. And they're also yeah. more than anything in my mind Lakers or excuse me, LeBron fans. So they were Cleveland fans, they were Miami fans, and now they're Laker fans. Which is fine. But we just have to accept that for what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I actually all right, this is like a bigger conversation, but I can appreciate people that don't like rooting for laundry 
You know, I, I can totally identify with, you know what, I'm a LeBron fan and that's who I'm rooting for versus mm-hmm. the, you know, I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan and no matter what they do, that's my team. Like, And, and, and part of this is, I, I think, an issue with the league and all the player movement and stuff could, you know, potentially be that most people want to root for the players that they want to root for, not necessarily the laundry of the team that that they're supposed to root for, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It makes a c- complete sense, but it, yeah. it's kind of a new school of thought here because, um, right. yeah, the you know probably 30 and under are more, they're trending towards that way, and yeah, it absolutely is a problem with the league because fans are following along with their player and because they can watch their team anywhere, it's led to that as well. If I want to watch a Laker game, I can watch every single Laker game with League Pass here at home or watch every single highlight and get all the behind the scenes access with their writers and with their Twitter account. Um, however, that said, I'm all for player for rooting for a player or guys to succeed like that. However, I still think there, there's an affinity. There's something special about having your team wherever it is, whomever it is. Maybe it's not your hometown team. Maybe it's your dad's team. Um, and I think that's something outside of really baseball that has gotten lo- lost in this last two decades. Uh, yeah, I think baseball is the one sport where guys actually like really are very into like this is my team. And and that's maybe that because it's such a sport or it's a sport that has such older fans that that's why and younger people, you know, follow the game through social media and things like that. You know, they're going to be more attracted to the individual personalities and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I mean, I grew up a, I was a Jordan fan. Because I, you know, I love the Bulls because I was a Jordan fan. So you've always uh, rooted for individuals over teams. So this isn't a new development necessarily. Uh, no, for me, no. I, I mean, you huh. know, I, I, I lost all my fandom a long time ago. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I grew up a Bulls fan. I mean, I'm from Virginia, and I grew up a Bulls fan because I loved Michael Jordan. Um, I didn't, I didn't root for the Wizards when he went there, um, <laughs> because you know by then I, I was an adult and just over I, that kind of stuff. I'm but. just surprised, I guess, that you didn't stick and cling to the Bulls then because of MJ. That's what it used to be, right? It, it is. Even with Notre Dame, let's say Notre Dame football to bring it back to right. Indiana kind. You grew up because you uh, and you like Notre Dame generally because they were always on NBC. You could always watch them, and so it was right. a team you could root for. And they had cool guys like Rocket Ishmael. Yeah. So th- that's an ongoing issue, and I can tell you that's something that especially those in ticket sales are having and trying to figure out how they can overcome. And that's why in many of the arenas, I was just in Atlanta last week, they opened up one whole end zone and made it kind of a party section. The Pacers are going to do the whole uh, the same thing coming up over these next three summers with construction, trying to make it more of a welcoming, come hang out and just enjoy the atmosphere too because that's a whole other subject um, that is transforming. But I mean uh, – Go well, ahead. This is the challenge of the small market, right? Like, like not only to develop stars, but then to keep them. And, and this is, uh, again, something where the league and, and the owners and the players need to need to sort this out because you can't have a, a league that only has stars in like four or five cities. Now, I mean, I think the league right now has more guys that we would call stars throughout the league than it's ever had, which is great. But but you have these situations where Guys only want to play in L.A. or, you know, well, maybe New York. I don't I mean, they don't want to play for no. the Knicks, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like right. this is this is an issue and it's an issue for the players as well. Like, uh, you know, it seems like a, a very like management issue. Like, hey, that's that's some billionaire's problem. 
But the players need to realize it could wind up being their problem as well because you can't tank ratings in 28 cities out of, out of you know the NBA and expect the next TV deal to be amazing. So players are going to have to figure out, God, this is such a big picture thing uh, for a Pacers podcast. Um, but players are going to have to figure out, hey, you know, I might have to take one for the team in a sense. And I might have to do the smart thing for the union by staying home or not home, but staying at the team that drafted me and, and just doing my time here because it's it's good for everybody. We're all going to make more money if we do this. And I don't I mean, this is just kind of the first time I'm thinking this and I'm thinking it out loud. But it is it is coming to a head when this next TV deal comes up. And so, you know, maybe maybe they can find a middle ground so that people can root for players and just so happens to be the jersey, you know, that they've yeah. been rooting for. It's all, it's some seemingly always been that way, though, right? You have the dominant teams of Boston yeah. and, and the Lakers, and and mm-hmm. if you want to look at and just to wrap this short segment up, is the fact that with the TV ratings decline, look no further than kind of the bottom of the Western Conference. The Warriors have the worst record. The Pelicans yep. with Zion, all that hype. They've been dumped from national TV games, understandably. They have six wins and have lost thirteen in a row. They were a playoff team in my mind. With, right. with Zion being healthy. So those two teams being down has completely changed the whole dynamic of both the, how we consume it uh, and then in turn the business of everything. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Well, it's a monster week for the Pacers, as we said. Four four wins continued to uh, trying to figure out this dynamic still with Sabonis and Turner, but otherwise things are, are looking brighter um, for this group after a, a loss to the Clippers, and they'll get another test right before Christmas with at Milwaukee on Sunday and then Toronto back home on the 23rd um, before a, what, three-day break and everything. But it was a fun, fun atmosphere, Dave, I can tell you, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, a true sellout crowd last night, um, and it was an announced sellout crowd. That was a fun one to be at and, and one – that we may look back at as being their best win of the year. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, unless they beat Milwaukee, although it matter what what uh, is really funny is that now Milwaukee and L.A. will play, mm-hmm. uh, and and then they'll play Milwaukee. So if Milwaukee beats the Lakers and then <laughs> the Pacers beat Milwaukee, I don't know. The, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out who's got the title, who's got the championship belt. It's a little triangle. I know the pa- the Lakers, as we're recording this here early Wednesday, um, are still in Indy. They're flying out this afternoon to Milwaukee. And I, if anything, it, I feel like it favors the Pacers a little bit in that they can hope that the Lakers wore down the Bucks a little bit and the fact that they have tape now on both teams going at it. If you, if that's yeah. worth very much at all, but uh, it will be a fun weekend. And uh, Dave, thanks for jumping on with me here with this podcast. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good one. And I knew it was going to easily flow after so many things to come out of this last weekend, the win over the Lakers. Yeah, that was such a fun game. I mean, even without the Pacers pulling out the victory at the end that I got to give the Lakers a lot of credit. It is really, really cool to see a team with that much talent that you can tell wants to win like 75 games, you know, like, they want to win every single game, and and I like I wish that that had been that that should have been a showcase game for the NBA. It was so good. It Fort, was so. It was on NBA TV. It was on NBA it was TV. A rare Pacer game on NBA right. TV. But who watches NBA TV, right? Like that should have been a TNT game. But you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I give the Lakers a lot of credit for how they play and and how much they want it. And LeBron, of course, in year seventeen. 
not taking anything for granted. I, I loved what he said the other day about wanting to play every game. And I think that this is this is a guy who clearly understands that he's got less time ahead of him than than what he's had behind him. Uh, so I, I just you know I, I really loved how they play uh, and how they've played this season. Uh, it's it was it's been refreshing to watch a team that's this good actually care about the regular season. Uh, you know, for the Pacers, they always play like this. Um, but to see a team like the Lakers doing this night in, night out, I, I think that's that's really awesome. It's great for the league. And for the Pacers, it's notable how well they've played together and how well they've kind of gelled. And that's something that players are beginning um, to take note of. And I should mention, if you're talking about national TV, the Pacers aren't, aren't on a true national TV game until early February, February 7th against Toronto. And surely by then, I would expect Victor to be back, but we shall see. Dave, thanks again. And this wraps up another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to Fieldhouse Files wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. And you can also log on to theathletic.com forward slash Fieldhouse Files to take advantage of our 40% off annual offer to enjoy these podcasts ad-free. This has been another episode of the Fieldhouse Files, and we'll talk to you again soon.